Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. They've outgrown their age of rebellion, dulled the Empire's edge, defeated Imperial generals and the Pirate Queen's dredge. They've been soldiers and scoundrels, what's there left to be? How about last life looking for their force and destiny? There's a seer, hermit, investigator, and teacher better watch your back or vibe or rings gonna reach you. Will this team find the light or will darkness win the day? Find out with the heroes of a Hadian way. Welcome to Heroes of the Hydean Way. This is a Star Wars actual play podcast, and we're playing in Fantasy Flight Games' Force and Destiny system, using the Chronicles of the Gatekeeper Adventure as developed by Tim Cox and Max Brook. This is Act 1, Question Episode 1, and I'm Ben, the GM for this adventure. Hey there, I'm back to rhyming. I'm Ren. Not Skip right now. Hooray. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Christine. Just just Christine today. <laughs> what do you rhyme with? I don't rhyme with anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because like I expected you to kind of bust out in a little rhyming rap. No, no, no. It was thing? like Ben's okay. all. I'm Ben, the GM for this adventure, and then I'm like, well, I'm following that up with a rhyming word. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I'm Leslie. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm Brandon. Full stop. Together, we're the heroes of the Hydean Way. Yay! Yeah. Uh, see, that was, almost, that was almost really boring, because I didn't do my homework and write an intro, but instead we got some some discourse on what <laughs> Yeah, some some, <laughs> well, some it's, patterns, it, some... Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's always, it's always strange when, like, we're us, and not, like, playing, you know, fictional people. Hey, we're cool. <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> So as Ben mentioned up at the top of the show, this is going to be our Q&A for Act 1 of Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. We're just going to be talking about the adventure and about things going on, answering the questions that you, the listeners, submitted. We're going to do this round robin style. I think like we did the last one where different people are going to ask different questions and uh, we'll kind of start conversation as we go. I guess I'm just going to like throw the order into a wood chipper and I'm going to start off since I (laughs) was explaining things. (laughs) This got really dark really fast. (laughs) It's been a week. I'm going to start off with a Cavalier Delta sevens question from discord to everyone. When you are developing characters for RPGs, how much of yourself do you tend to put in them? So how much of yourself do you put into your RPG characters? I, it depends. From the get-go, I usually imbue my characters with some obsession of mine and just crank it to 11. (laughs) Like uh, Starship models? Uh, Like Starship models or, you know, dramatic noir. (laughs) But then usually as I play a character, I'm a person who largely does not like do a lot of backstory planning for characters. I used to, as Christine can attest, but like nowadays, even for campaigns, I'm lucky if I have 
anything that isn't on the character sheet figured out. And I don't fill in like the background portions of character sheets either. So, But as I play and feel out what, where the character is, they tend to become the embodiment of like <laughs> one of my personality flaws. Mm-hmm. And I'll eventually lean into that once I, you know, get there. I just don't necessarily know what that is at the beginning. I understand your method so much better having played Cav. Because <laughs> well, because that's exactly what Cav was. It ended up being for me. I had like a very bare bones, you know, character. I started playing and without meaning to it all, Cav came to represent a lot of my more like sillier qualities and personality traits just dialed up. It made them very easy to easy to play. Besides that example, I tend to have something of myself I put into into characters. I may not always be able to put my finger on what it is in terms of probably the biggest one is I'm a I'm a sucker for a good identity story. <laughs> Go figure kind of goes hand in hand with being trans. So I've done a great deal of that and like that self-exploration of character and things like that. I find I play up kind of some of my more like maternal empathetic qualities a lot for for RPG characters, either intentionally or not. Kind of kind of go from there myself. Uh, Ren, Leslie, Ben, what about you three? Well, I'm not a slacker like Brandon. <laughs> That's good because I really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. Let's see. I. I mean, I'm definitely in the same boat as you all, where I. Every character has something of me in them. I will say, I think Vistrana was probably the farthest from me I may have ever played. But some of Vistrana's more prevalent personality flaws were definitely things that apply to me. Like fumbling nervousness and slight anal retentiveness. But Skip is more... I don't know. I said in the Tales episode that Skip was going to be sort of my, like, a a comfort zone kind of character. But Skip has turned into not how I expected Skip at all. And I don't, I don't, I don't really think that Skip is that much like me. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm having, like, an identity crisis about Skip. Let me think on this for a second. Leslie, you want to talk? (laughs) I mean, I think my answer's pretty obvious, because... I don't compartmentalize. There's a lot of me in everything. Because there's a lot of me to deal with. And what about you, Ben? The rare times I get to play, there is a huge amount of me in whichever character I'm playing, such as what some might find on either our forthcoming palate cleanser episodes or on the force majeure episodes. I'm also generally trying to be the ham, mm-hmm. like not so much comedy ham as in trying to do bits or anything, trying to do some unexpected stuff and seeing if it works and expecting it not to. Mm-hmm. A good example is most of my characters would try and do exactly what Barrowin did going into the jungle. <laughs> it probably would have worked out the exact same way. Oh, yes, the good old give all of us height trauma. The, the chances of that plan failing were very low, but like that's there's still a chance, right? So like as was shown in 
episode 12 of this act, we kind of forgot one thing going into that episode. So, eh. Mm. No one tried to lessen their damage. Mm. So, uh, supplemental question. Are the characters you become most attached to the most like you or the least like you? Generally, they're the most like me in ways that I don't like to admit. (laughs) Kind of going on what I had said before about my characters eventually kind of embodying some personality flaw I have. Those tend to be the ones that I, I feel the most connection to, even though it's sometimes kind of painful to recognize some of those tendencies that I sort of know I have in reality and that the characters are often kind of cranked up a bit, but they still kind of end up being a place where I engage with some of those things I don't love about myself in a way that is, I guess, safe, (laughs) if that makes sense. A lot. It's definitely those ones that do manage to make that leap to feeling like they have very particular thing they're getting from me and that I'm acting out through them to some degree. Those are the ones that I get the most attached to because usually they're they're the ones that also just end up being the most interesting and complex in the games they're in. If I don't hit that point with a character, I feel like I kind of I sometimes get lodged in sort of a shtick, right? I feel like the characters that I get the most attached to are characters that I design traits about them that are more aspirational for me. And if if they embody those things that I wish I was better at, better than me, then it does get to be very, like, I don't know, they're more enjoyable to play than being me. Characters as therapy. Probably not recommended. Yeah, so so me and Ren are both saying, you know, self-medicate with RPG characters. No, we're not saying that. I don't think you're licensed to do that, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I mean, on Heroes, for me, it fell out that way. I feel like I am probably the most like Kith because I'm not a father, and I'm not an entertainer by trade, and I'm not, you know, a robot droid thing. I don't know. I I feel like the people I get the most attached to are the ones that find the family dynamic in the group the best. Mm -hmm. And we really nailed that, I think, pretty early in season one. Also, Kith had a lot less to work through, so I really don't know. I, I'm not going to say don't play yourself in an RPG, but don't limit yourself to playing yourself in an RPG. Suss things out, try things new, and respect yourself when you realize you can't do it. Yeah, definitely that last. What about you, Ben? I play so infrequently from a player side that I, I'm still giggling about the heart. Most because it's a heart. I, I'm giggling about um, the Alina on account of it's a one brawn heavy that works. <laughs> I don't play. That's really my problem with it. I, I, I yeah. don't have any sort of long running character. The longest running character I had was Rebo, and Rebo was pretty much a shtick. I felt like Rebo was kind of fleshed out. I never felt like Rebo was just a floating non-entity. We cared about Rebo. I was all emotional when I was, you know, doing the big surgery on him. 
but we, he still never got the same focus that like like the other other four characters did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, which... I just didn't want Ben to think that Reba was not. Oh uh, no, no, I definitely don't think that Reba wasn't cared about or anything like that. It's just I didn't get a huge amount of chance to put a lot of development into Rebo because Rebo would be gone for like four or five sessions and then would show up a little bit like any NPC like definitely a cherished NPC but yeah there's a huge gulf between that even that level of NPC and a player character mm-hmm. and it's been so long since I've had that sort of a player character that I've got no idea what it would be like so uh, how do we want to handle our, our order for uh, question questionnaires from here? I kind of thought we'd just go down the list, yeah. but then you started in the middle. I, I did. So me. you know what? Then uh, fine. Uh, Leslie, right. you go. What? what? <laughs> well, we started <laughs> with me. Now pick... we're going to go to you, then Brandon, and then we'll go back around. We're just, Wait, what list are we going that. down the list? I thought we were just going <laughs> down the question apparently list. apparently not going down the list. <laughs> I'm so confused. Hmm. Maybe we should just go back to the top and okay. However, want to do everyone's it. Everyone's brains. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm just chaos. I'm done. Let's just uh, <laughs> give everybody. Confused. She has made her mark. Then okay. bring us back to sanity. So, Mister T from Discord. Without spoiling much, the question would be: If the characters took decisions that would warrant their players to cope with the consequences, how are the players coping? Are you all okay? <laughs> I'll let you all handle that one. I'm fine. <laughs> well, why do I feel like all eyes were on me when that question got asked? I mean, the beautiful part is they couldn't, like, okay, sure, Cash has done a little bit, but yeah, it was also like one of Mr. T's earlier questions. Yeah, I think that question was asked literally the, the night that we role played out the uh, the Markov fight. Yeah, I, I tweeted about it because I. That was a little bit difficult for me, at least in the moment, because I I don't like doing like player versus player stuff. And mm. I know it I know it no it didn't send into that, but I, I tend to like to go sort of with the, the group flow or have us be on the same page where if we are disagreeing, it's done to be funny or for a nice dramatic beat. And so that was difficult because it wasn't discussed in advance. It was just the characters being the characters and not being on the same page and and cash taking decisions that I, Christine, know are borderline, if not dark side acts. I don't know. I guess I find that a, a little bit a little bit challenging. I'm OK. Like I, there, there's a complete separation between, you know, what cash does and what I what I do. And like afterwards, you know, I apologize to Leslie and we had conversations and like we're we're good. It's just it can just be be challenging in the moment sometimes. And with the wrong group, that could be horrible. Yeah. In the wrong group. I wouldn't have done that. I, I wouldn't if it had been a, a group of players I didn't trust. I don't know that I would have pulled that that trigger or frankly, I, I would have expected somebody else to have done something probably worse by then. But with you all, I, I I knew like I could I could play it out. We could see where where it went. And if it wasn't going to work narratively or for the group, 
you all would hit the brakes and talk to me and it'd be like, okay, like, like let's, let's stop and have that meta conversation now, hit it again and handle it a different way. And I say that not just for the sake of like a recording, but I think that would be the case, even if all of us were just playing for fun. I don't think we would be, we would hesitate to stop, have that conversation and have a second crack at it. Yeah. 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 I suspect we've all been at a table with, you know, (laughs) one of those, I'm just doing what my character will, would do people Mm -hmm. uh, who, who are just like, nope, my character's personality and objectives take precedence over like the stability of the game. And none of us want to be that person. No, no. Well, at least I know in in my case, I know I was that person once upon a time and I grew out of it. I learned. (laughs) Hopefully uh, others who are in the same area do uh, do grow past it. I don't know. I have no remorse for anything Koba's done. (laughs) (laughs) No one's been defenstrated yet. Leslie is disappointed about that. Hillary probably less so. Hmm. Wow. Hey, we're going to a bridge city next. I There's know. There's so much There's, chance wait, for Weren't we already on a bridge city? No, you were on a tree city. We're on a treaty. A treaty? What's your humor? You said it. I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of horrible things, Cthulian Dreams has a question about. Oh, gosh. I'm pretty sure I know the answer in Hillary's case, but does the party feel a responsibility to protect Skip's exuberant innocence? <laughs> Imagine you with my hand under my chin for uh section of that sentence. And Cassius- Quite the opposite. Yes. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Koba. <laughs> I like the kid, but uh where we're headed. You don't like the exuberance, do you? <laughs> They've gotta be prepared. They can't just you know, keep thinking the galaxy is a wondrous place with friendly animals that sing and make dresses for you. Well, to be fair, it is a wondrous place. Um, I'm, I'm willing to say, though, there are some harsh lessons to be learned. Uh, but if the bear sloth did not slow Skip's love of animals down, I don't know what will. Okay, forget, forget about the animals. Just, the galaxy is a harsh place, and... And? Look, we've got we've to face facts here. <laughs> the three of us. Okay, we're kind of on a on a journey together, and they have high stakes beyond just us. Is that a short joke? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not self-deprecating in that way. <laughs> they are the only one who can bring balance. Oh wait, no, wrong. I think wrong do what needs to be done uh, in the end. The rest of us are past our prime. In, in some cases, our prime wasn't even a time we'd be able to handle this quest anyway. I would say we're more guidance. Right. <laughs> and look, Skip, they're going to get the lesson about the galaxy one way or the other. Yes. And if we keep that lesson from them for longer than it would normally take, then we're only setting them up for failure. One must realize that reality is not always so pleasant. Yeah. However, we're not going to go out of our way to push Skip into any bear sloth traps. When the time comes, the time comes. Can, can we? Can we what? Can we at least punk him in hyperspace at some point? I'm okay with that. Okay. 
Well, no, no one has left Arboween yet. Yeah, but we're, we know we're going somewhere, right? We have a holocron to guide us. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 who's flying the ship? The protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as it as it should be. So while while they're flying the ship, the rest of us can uh, set up a punk. <laughs> oh my good golly! The thing that I I like about this question is the assumption that it's something that Skip has to grow out of. Mm. Skip is young, yes, and I definitely place Skip as exuberant as as accused, yes. But it's not like Skip has seen nothing. Skip has spent years being a layabout around the galaxy and you know what skip has seen a lot of things and it didn't ruin skip's lust for life and that makes me unbelievably happy yeah that's kind of the whole thing is that skip has seen a lot of stuff and is skip there's a part of me that just really likes skip for that as an example of all that skip is an amazing shot with a very disturbing weapon the tranquilizer rifle isn't isn't disturbing. It's effective. Rifle. Rifle. Yeah. <laughs> it's what what you hunt turbo rabbits with. Oh, no. All right, Green, you're up. Uh, okay, Sam Emery asks: Do the players or the characters have any interest in wielding lightsabers in the future? Surprising no one. My answer is yes. How about the rest of you? Um. Nope. <laughs> Cashy is a eh, maybe me, Christine. I would absolutely love to because um, Force and Destiny characters I've had the pleasure of playing before never got much time with the lightsaber, only about a, a session or two. And so I and I I love the idea of going off, finding your crystal, creating your saber, having this like personalized weapon. I'm a, I'm a sucker for that like idea and myth and things like that. So um, so yeah. I would, I would love for it to come up if there's a good opportunity for it. I mean, to be slightly less abrupt, things have got to go wrong for Hillary to want a lightsaber. Would Hillary take a lightsaber that only does stun damage? <laughs> I mean, they exist in the game. Really? <laughs> yeah. There's a certain kind of crystal. Oh, yeah, there's that too. I was just thinking training sabers, but yeah. Yeah, there's training sabers, which are stun only, and they're not great stat-wise, but then there, I forget what crystal it is, there is some other crystal that is a better version of the stun lightsaber. Yep, there absolutely is. Well, I mean, also, Hillary's got no combat skills. Well, exceedingly limited combat skills, so there's that too. Yes, so did Cav. Yeah, true. Back in um, season two, so did Cav, and look at the end. wanted that. Still. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's unlikely. It's not true. It's impossible. And that is why you fail. Uh, (laughs) We'll see how far Hillary falls. I, uh, I'm for it. I mean, we just got training sabers. I, um... I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm, uh... And Hillary did get that training greatsaber. Or the Kurtosis sword, which is like a greatsaber. Or sword to Hillary. <laughs> I, I got my little Alina-sized uh, claymore. <laughs> mm. I guess I'm blue. Yep, that seems to be the case. 
<laughs> yep. If I were green, I would die. Well, it ain't easy being green. It's true. From our beloved Adam over at Force Majeure. With hindsight being the most powerful force power of them all, looking back across the entirety of Act 1, is there anything you would have done differently? I'm going to say no for Hillary because I don't know what I'm going to do until I do it. So I don't know what I would have done differently because that would have changed everything. So, no? Question mark? Yeah. Is, is there anything the GM would have done differently? Mm -hmm. With that laugh? I was just laughing at the question mark. <laughs> Do I need to tag people? There we yeah, go, Christine. Yeah, just, uh, well, look, I'm, I'm in charge here. I know what I'm doing. No, I don't. All right, Brandon, what about you? Is there anything you would have done differently? I can't put my finger on like individual things I think I would have done differently, specifically. It did take me a little while to kind of find where I wanted Koba to be mechanically, as well as character-wise, um, honestly. So like, there's definitely things that now that I have worked out better what that is, I would love to have done from the start, right? But that's just kind of... The arc of an RPG That's a character, fair point. yeah, you know, it's it's pretty rare that you sit down with a character you haven't played yet and they're just fully formed in the first session. Um, I would find that deeply suspicious. Yeah, and yeah. perfect, and exactly the way you want them to be. Now, granted, in a very technical fashion, I I'm reusing Koba from a different campaign, but he was different. <laughs> it still applies. Like I'm Cash is also from a different campaign and i'm feel, still feel like i'm dialing her in or at least this version of her mm -mm. it still works yeah because the other cash is non-canon i imagine at this point i pulled things from that history and and things like that but it's yeah, yeah. that that's legends cash and and certain yeah. <laughs> things are being carried forward into this disney canon version of cash and certain things are not yeah does cash know barrowin that is a question <laughs> I have not answered yet. That is a question I would love to have answered in in show at some point, whether they do know each other or not. If if Barrowin ever makes a cameo, Brandon, I'm totally going to have Cash make a uh, a reference to uh, heavy metal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I'm it's good. right there. Is that like a ship or a, a uh, Star so, Trek episode? Okay, so so spoilers is explaining the joke that only Brandon and I would have laughed at anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whatever, Wingfield. Yeah, you got us. <laughs> I'm unrepentant. So back in the campaign where I played Cash, Barwin was in a Salonian NPC we dealt with, and the way Brandon always distinguished her is he would start playing heavy metal on his phone and hold it up like near his mic. <laughs> And she just had heavy metal going on in the background of her ship. Interesting. That was her character trait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So I was the GM for this. So she was just an NPC that popped up a couple times. She captained a ship. She was. She, she, she more hauled freight. She wasn't a bounty hunter in that in interpretation. As yeah, I she was. She was like a contact who was kind of coerced into doing some more dangerous stuff a couple times. Her main defining trait was being into you know, metal and prog rock and stuff. I'll add a bit of clarification. The music I always played on my phone into my mic when Barrow was, was around was, in fact, the theme from SWAT Cats. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, I'm there for that. 
Uh, see, see, you playing heavy metal music just like didn't mesh with my idea of you at all. But now that it's a theme song of something, it attracts. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, totally. It makes perfect sense after all. Perfect sense. And fun fact, like that music thing was still something I was going with when I brought Barrowin to Heroes for season two, even though, you know, she was otherwise a a different character. That's why the ship is named the Sky on Fire, because that's a line from a song. Yeah. Jefferson Starship song uh, from the holiday special. But I pretty quickly didn't lean any more heavily into that aside from i think maybe making a couple references about there being like discs of old rock music in her quarters or something there were were discussions that you know that she and cav played their own music when they were in certain locations on the ship i believe it could have readily been inferred that they were both music heads yeah maybe that's what it was some because i feel like the music thing became a bit more of cab's thing since we used that for like the fia mund connection and trouble brewing i don't know it's it's interesting like the, the paths you take <laughs> well and of course like a big a big thing with barrowin that just her being an npc did not facilitate was that you know we pretty quickly fell into having it was pretty early that somebody made a quip about Barrowin being the team mom. It was also pretty early that we started leaning into the lying thing. Neither yeah. of which were things I went in intending to be part of the character, but they were just, they were the interesting things to lean into. And so I left behind the like bits and pieces that I had kind of had in mind, but that just weren't necessary anymore. You know? Yeah. They weren't falling out the way intended. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we found other things for Barrowin to be about. Back in this season. Back on the question. Nope, nothing I would have changed from Act 1. <laughs> did we get Ren's answer? Did we? Oh, gosh, sorry. I, I was. So. I, I don't think we did. I think it was, I think, Les- Leslie Brandon and I have answered? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Um, I, don't, I don't think that I would... Nothing about how I, I made any decisions or anything. I think, I mean, I would have liked to have started off with a more consistent accent. That might have been nice. <laughs> consistent accents. Gotcha. Totally makes sense. And from a GM point of view, there's a few things that I wish I brought up before uh, things got moving in the Markov as a set decoration. There's a few things that would have been great that would have been just sort of little digs at what the characters had said earlier and had tried to set up. And now, well, things worked out well the way they did. I'm just, it would have been nice to have these few other little flourishes for callbacks. One would have been, for example, Markov offering coffee. Or calf. Right, yeah. To me, that also exemplifies Markov on account of there's exactly one person in the entirety of that city that can drink calf. They have a calf set that they drink out of. Like, I don't really think... It just sort of shows how separated Markov is from, like, reality. 
All right, right. next question's yours to ask. All right. Ben. Well, another one from Adam. We've already seen Cash in particular taking a step or two down the darker route while Hillary strives for heights of Paragon Hood. Are these conscious choices because that's where you wanted those characters to be, or is it just completely organic for the four of you? Leslie, I feel like you or I should start this one off, given uh, both of our characters are cold out. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling very pointed at Adam. We're going to have words about this. <laughs> Assuming that I have any conscious thoughts of being a paragon. <laughs> Shame. I've got no clue what I'm doing. Okay, so completely organic for Hillary. <laughs> for Cash, I... I accepted going into the season that Kesh was likely to be a, a darker character. Again, since I had played a version of her in another campaign. And the funny thing is, she's actually turned out to be a lot more... I, I, I hesitate to use the word kinder, but like, I guess more light sidey than I initially anticipated. That code for her changed a bit when I actually got her on the table in terms of her helping other people and such. Like the, the bulk of her conflict has come from tapping into the dark side for the force. So I, I feel like it's it's less intentional at this point. And it's more because if you're a force heavy using character, then that temptation to use those dark side pips are just it's just gonna be greater. And and that's why I think she is falling so quickly. <laughs> More so than her choices, and that's and that's a pretty classic way for Jedi to fall, anyway. Like in, in stories, is not to be, not to be making like an, a bunch of overtly evil decisions, but mm. to be willing to cross lines for good reasons. Yeah, for ostensibly good reasons. Mm. I'm just letting things happen. <laughs> I'm trying to get Koba darker. Oh yeah. It hasn't been working out yet, but I'm gonna keep attempting to. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to like make him fall just on purpose, right? But I mean, Koba is currently at six conflict, and only went up like three last time. Yeah. So, so, so really, it's just I'm making Koba look bad, just with, with how fast I'm plummeting, right? Actually, you're making Koba look good. Oh, <laughs> you're right. That <laughs> which which is bad. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. <laughs> no, I uh, I definitely am eyeing that next force rating a little more seriously than I was on the basis of how much rolling two dice instead of one can yeah. make, bring conflict into play more. Uh, that, that reminds me, this isn't like on topic for this episode necessarily, but when are we rolling the next conflict thing? It's after the vision, right? Yeah, during your part of the vision. Okay, because I, I already can't go up. I can only go down. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, Brandon, next question is yours. All right, this is also from Adam. This is more aimed at Leslie and Ren. What? Because Christine and Brandon are more familiar with the morality system. Oh. How are you finding the morality system working for you? Does it make sense yet? And does it guide any of your character choices, knowing they will be weighed and measured at regular intervals? Nope. Is that no to all? <laughs> I haven't seen how it does anything yet really and i haven't been playing with it in mind so sorry no so i i feel like it's 
systematically incredibly easy to just end up being super paragon which is why i have done a couple of deliberate things to stick myself more middle of the road like stealing things from markov's chambers because i don't want to just skate by and accidentally end up a paragon through just not having made any active choices so i don't know am i wrong in just assuming that it's just like a little too easy to just stay very good no well from my experience yeah that like i i feel like it is sometimes too easy to stay too good especially if you have a character who doesn't use the force like i feel like that that really is what drives that morality system at the end of the day so i've had a i've had a character before in a game that was certainly not even hillary levels of of good and by virtue of not taking a force power until they were like 300 XP in that character was Paragon because it didn't matter that, you know, if she stole things, her morality continued to rise as opposed to the character that tried to be more Jedi like, but kept drawing on the dark side. Yeah. It's definitely balanced with actually using the force sometimes in mind. And that's also because like outside of the, the only time that the, conflict stuff well i guess the, t- the two times that conflict is quantified by the rules are using dark side pips and using dark side talents or powers everything else is gm guidance and so it, it depends on like how your gm decides to play things and i have found so far been you're a very forgiving gm conflict wise relative to others I've played with over over time. Well, yeah. Which is fine. Like that's not wrong. I guess like, I'm not I'm not it's not a critique, but I definitely get what you're saying and I I definitely agree. It's one of those things of I know I'm gun shy of giving conflict. I know that each one of you have said to me several times, pour on the conflict because we want to engage with the system. That's the reason why several times y'all have had to remind me of things that you've done because otherwise I wouldn't have remembered it. It was just, oh, this is a minor thing or that's a minor thing. The two best examples I've got of that is Cash being at 10 conflict and Skip being at 5. I'm not assigning the conflict right at the moment. I'm assigning it at the end of a session, which is two episodes. Yeah. Mm. Me remembering what happened three hours ago, we've done so much since that I just don't. So... In this case, when we're giving you a conflict, it's a lot more that we're agreeing with it. One of my pseudo goals for Act 2 is to get Hillary more interacting with the system. And one of the ways it is easier to do that, you're right, is uh, get force points being used and force powers being used. Trying to make it worthwhile to use them instead of doing things outside of it. And, like, to be sure, the amount of bookkeeping that Conflict can ask of the GM is not great. Yeah. As in, it's it's not great that it asks you of things. Not 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 that it's not a great amount. Because I've had that problem, too, when I've run Force and Destiny games where, like, a part of me wants to not have to worry about the Conflict in the moment and instead do it later. But if I do that, I will forget 
some things or I'll miss some things. Or, you know, if I say, hey, you got three conflict for this thing that happened two hours ago and the player's like, that's not worth three conflict. What are you talking about? I, I, you know, then it becomes yeah. kind of a situation. So, yeah, like there's, there's a lot of clunkiness in that part of the game. I guess the biggest reason why I am gun shy about it is because there have been a few times where I've had players do decisions that where they're splitting the party in not trivial fashions. It's not taking two different paths. It's, yeah. okay, well, if you do that, then you're not showing up for like three sessions because I'm going to stay with the main group and then we're going to have to figure out something else-wise. You've got players just begging them to come along and it's like, no, I'm staying here. Like, yeah. Okay, it's great drama, but this is also something that because they're pulling on things, because they are causing conflict within the characters, gets brought up. And then it the argument then shifts between the two players and then me, the GM, and the player, and it just spirals way out. Yeah. Like me, I kind of get gun-shy with it. I trust the four of you to be okay with the conflict I give. It's just some of the stuff I just don't remember to give. And some of it also is Arboween is a really, really, really black and white setting. Sure. Yeah. Like, it is go in, have rebellion, overthrow the Reeve, get the stuff off the Reeve, or steal from the Reeve and make sure that the Reeve can't do anything. <laughs> something like that. And then had a that's a basic thing because at the at the beginning of this somebody said something about how force powers really drive it and i i had forgot to even think about the fact that i didn't start using my force powers until the last fight so that's a very good point in which case yeah. you did get conflict for it yep yeah it has a as a big effect from from everything i've i've witnessed at least so far i didn't want what i said to come off as some sort of a complaint or anything more just as an observation about how i thought that it might be too easy for me to just end up all Mass Effect Paragon. In my experience, that is the biggest complaint of the morality system. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the reason why we're doing it, like, twice an act instead of doing it after every session. The way the book suggests it is broken. I would love to go back in time and sit in the boardroom while they were discussing that, or talk it over with the playtesters of way back when. Yeah. It seems too biased. Yeah, it's it seems like like whatever whatever their metric was for how often conflict was going to be assigned was much much higher than the reality of of most games because even during the discussion you know uh, Brandon and Ben were talking about how you know they may not remember to assign it in the moment or you know by the end of it you know it becomes a you know you know difference of opinion over what happened um you know, I, I found kind of the same thing where a lot of times players will argue when uh, yeah. when conflict mm -hmm. is assigned or how much and what's going on here. And I feel like that kind of system works better when it, it, you don't have to stop and have that conversation all the time when it can be it can be sort of a those bigger moments are what make the radar. Yeah, but it also just kind of baffles me, the players that would view it as a punishment maybe it's because it's called conflict yeah i don't know it, I, it, it comes back i think from the old dark side points thing also for older star wars <laughs> yes that games. too yeah 
yeah. I don't know. Interesting things need to happen to your character for your character to grow. Yes. But there's also a lot of just people separate from RPGs who are afraid of failure and are afraid or yeah. don't necessarily realize you have to, the only way to learn and grow is to fail. Failure can be such a good catalyst, though. Oh, just... Yeah. 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 Some players do not see RPGs that way, which I get, but don't really sympathize with to be quite honest <laughs> yeah ultimately i think the the big takeaway from all of this is something we've said before because we've done it but the conflict and morality system necessitates a session zero <laughs> and an ongoing conversation with your group yeah about what it looks like in your campaign because there is a lot of wiggle room and room for interpretation in what rules do exist. Mm -hmm. And the rules that do exist are not one size fits all by any means. So yeah, do a session zero. Yeah. I'd say about a good 10% of our ongoing conversations revolve around force powers, conflict, that sort of stuff. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. We still have a few more questions to get through for this first part. All right, Leslie, you're up. Tagged in again. Yep. Yes, you. Well, it's what happens when you roll a d6 to assign who's asking what questions. <laughs> well, I told you to roll a d4, but I was um, not considering the group questions, just the character questions. So, all right. Whatever. It's still Adam. A question for everyone: How useful do you find your moral strengths and weaknesses for guiding your character compared to, say, duty or obligation? Ben, how do you find it helps you shape the story? I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and say I find I think way less about Kesha's moral strength and weakness than I did Nima's duty or Cav's obligations. I feel like that makes sense, though. Yeah, I had to remind myself the other day. I'm like, what is her weakness? And I had to go, I had to go look at my character sheet because I couldn't remember. Oh, that's an obstinate thing. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say I'm essentially the opposite, but that's probably not entirely true. I find moral strengths and weaknesses to be, of the three mechanisms, the one that works for me the most, but that's more because I just don't like obligation and duty. Really? Yeah, I just don't like them. Them as systems has never worked for me very well. Duty slightly more than obligation. Because the contribution rank, I think, makes duty sort of worthwhile and interesting. I don't like obligation as a mechanic. Like, I think making a decision about some, like, things your character has to worry about is valuable. But I, I don't think any of the rules or anything that surround obligation is particularly useful. Anyway, that all said, I, I also sometimes forget what COPAs are, but fortunately, they're ones that I lean into kind of on my own, so, yay. Yeah, pretty much. For me, I find that both obligation and the moral strengths and weaknesses shaped my characters pretty well, and I, I leaned into them rather frequently. I will say I'm enjoying the moral strengths and weaknesses more because, you know, I've got enthusiasm and recklessness and that's that's just really fun to play. Mm -hmm. And obligation just meant 
that I had this thing I had to keep in the back of Vastrano's head all the time that he was angsty about. So it's more fun to be enthusiastic, I suppose. I mean, I'm inclined to agree. I like enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely found both of them useful for, for making the character around them. Yeah. But... Okay. Yeah, Leslie? Oh, okay. I guess I should answer too. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like Ren said about keeping the obligation in the back of the mind, that's kind of how I'm trying to do with the strengths and weaknesses, but I haven't found a way to act on, like, it's love and hate. Gonna be honest. I feel like those are pretty obvious that Hillary's been working with the love a lot more than the hate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like Hillary hasn't been pushed into a situation where he would be acting on that particular internal yet. There was a good chance at that uh, encounter as we were trying to leave with the Imperials, but you know we we didn't. So we didn't we didn't play that game yet. But I don't know. I'm still very I don't want to say iffy. I feel like anything that is called morality and then emotional strength, I feel like it's all very anomalous. So until I found something concretized in the setup, like, and I've experienced, I'm not really sure that I've gotten to the point where I can explain how I feel about it yet. Fair? Yeah. Makes I mean, sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I've been playing Star Wars a long time, but I've never done much with force, and I've done nothing with conflict, morality, strengths, and weaknesses until this game. So this is a new. New thing. Now, Ben. Okay, so for me, it's how can I use it to shape the story? I can use this to start highlighting things that we've been missing, in my way of putting it. For example, the two that in Act 2, I am 100% going to be attempting to wrap upon is Skip's Recklessness. Yes. And trying to egg Ren on to make Skip make a few reckless choices that are detrimental to the group. Which, I'm sort of willing to do this in a way that it's not going to be entirely going over horrible lines, but in ways that definitely are detrimental to the group, at least for the moment. There are a few things with how Hillary has been played so far that I am going to try and egg on with the hate aspect. Because there's two or three different levers that, from the way Leslie has played Hillary, that are, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say open wounds, but sensitive topics would be a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. What would happen if Ozzel's killers showed up? There may be words. If, if, if whose killers? What? <laughs> Excuse you. I, Admiral Ozzel, I assume. That's what I, that's uh, okay. what I heard. Okay, ooh, I'm glad then. Ooh. Wait, that means, that means Darth Vader's going to show up. In the prologue, there was the dying pilot, I guess? It's my first black band on my sleeve. Yeah. 
I know what's going on, Ben. Oh. They might just be being butts, but I do know. <laughs> no, I just forgot the name, and yep. That's one of the things. I wasn't entirely expecting anyone else to remember it other than Leslie, but if those bounty hunters were to show up again, it would be a very interesting thing, especially considering of the group, the one who most has any emotion to it is Hillary. Yeah. I I think like caching character would also go who <laughs> if, if that <laughs> moment happened, which I also feel like price is something about those characters. Yep. Whereas Hillary will know Alzel's name, a little bit of the backstory, where he he went to school, little chit chatty things that you talk about while a person is dying, you monsters. Now we're look. Good. I was busy giving a ship tour to my new mentor in a box. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's truly a better chance of Verin and Lorenzo having a good idea as to who Ozol is. Mm. <laughs> look at a certain point a body's a body I've seen so many of them you know mm. face down in a muddy puddle in a back alley Narshadana Andre blinking neon light that, that's correct very dramatic depressing <laughs> It all smells mildly of bad pennies and just sadness. <laughs> uh, I feel uh, like there's just like so much more I could talk about in terms of what Ben just said, but I think everyone's okay. I might scooch us well, on. Well, I was actually, I was trying to, to get Leslie's attention. Okay. Uh, she actually has a question. She was then asked to us that's also dealing with the emotional strength weakness that I thought mm -hmm. might be might yeah, be appropriate to ask here. Up, yeah. Did the dice give me the first blue question or did that just work out? Like uh, the dice just gave you the first blue question. That just worked out. Yep. And then my question. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wait for the swoop bike to go by. The Narshada rain. Hear the spray of every swoop bike as it rounds the corner. Now that you've sat with your strengths and weaknesses for however many episodes, because I really don't know, how do you feel they sit with the roleplay that has come to the table? Will you consider changing them, or do you want to try and lean into them? I mean, I was actually considering changing mine, but with discussion being what it is, I think I don't need to, because Ben's going to poke the bear. Well, the tiny, adorable dinosaur man bear. Okay. To be fair, <laughs> I'm poking the bear no matter what that uh, I mean, that's true. is going to be, because I know at least of the different open wounds that you've got, that one is the easy one for me to poke, and Hillary hasn't snapped yet, so I'm, I want to see what happens. That's true. So it, or fair. Like, that's more of a character side thing. Yes, it does work into the hate and it's a very easy place to hang it, but if you were to change it, I would be very supportive of that. Well, I mean, you're pretty much supportive one way or the other because you're awesome, but I got gotcha. you. But that's not a, an on-air conversation we can figure out very true. if I need to. Uh, what about 
my my fellow heroes. So what Ben said about pushing me to be more reckless, even though it may uh, hinder the party, is precisely the thing that prevents me from leaning too much into the reckless. Because while I'm very excited and motivated by what I chose, it does... Because I'm just like not the kind of player that wants to make, as we said earlier, my character choices really hinder the party. So, but it, what it's if been we diffic- support you hindering us? Yeah. What if? <laughs> yeah, what if you're the protagonist and we're your supporting <laughs> cast? Okay, there's that. But okay, I've got a great example of a place where. Skip being reckless works amazingly narrative that we've already passed is with the guards coming after you during the session where we didn't have Christine, where there's Skip chomping at the bit to start engaging these guardians in a firefight, but Hillary says, no, we shouldn't do that. And then Koba jumps over on their own and starts throwing off Vibro rings. Honestly, I should just put a leash on both that of was you. Pretty unfair of Koba after Skip behaved themselves. Yeah. Just was... launching in there. That was some Here's the thing. It was a very defiant thing to do. Koba's yeah, Koba's weakness is defiance, and I think that's going pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've 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 skirt I've skirted around it as, as much as possible, especially in I don't remember if we ever actually said this on air or just to each other, but one of the ways that I'm playing reckless is being socially reckless, like mm-hmm. asking the merchants for one of their feathers. Like, so, so rude. But, whatever. Skip wants a pretty feather. Yeah. And Skip has a pretty feather. Skip does. I think I'm doing okay with Kesha's, uh, what, righteousness, obstinacy, especially the latter. <laughs> I don't really have plans to either change them or lean into them yet. I feel like there's a chance that they will get changed somewhere down the road, either maybe with these, uh, well, with the next couple episodes that are coming, coming up or maybe at the end of act two or something like that. Because I feel like, feel like everything in act one is building up towards her basically being told, Hey, you're the way you have of doing things, the way you think the galaxy works you're wrong. It doesn't work that way. Or you're not, or you're missing pieces of the puzzle. And I think she does need to learn and grow. Um, I just don't know how many times it's going to take before it gets through her thick head. Mm. Do transdotions grow their whole life? Like alligators? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they... Otherwise she would be huge. I mean, they're pretty big, right? They do generally recover limbs, though. Yeah. So, the, they generally. regenerate. <laughs> so maybe if you never lose any limbs, the growth that would go into that would make you big, just bigger. <laughs> no wonder where Cash went, went wrong. Maybe that's why she has the cyber arm. She was just, was about to say she was just hoping to grow bigger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, if I don't regrow this, maybe I'll get a few more inches. Okay, I, I think okay. we can we Don't can double stone. back to uh yeah double back to uh to your your question, Ren. 
Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, there's another Adam Beltane question. Heroes, are there any... I should... <laughs> no, never mind. I'm not going to do it. No, go ahead. Go, do do an accent. Uh, Adam would love no, it. No, 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 no. I've caused, I've caused him too much pain. I, it's, it's Adam. Go Southern. He likes Southern accents. <laughs> uh, Heroes. The other... I don't want to offend the actual Southern player sitting at my table, though. <laughs> That's Christine. She's fun to offend. It's, it's both Christine and Brandon. Yeah, I don't Brandon think either of us care. <laughs> no, because we're, anyway. we're, we're, we're like we're like barely southern, right? Well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty southern. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm from well, Maine. You're all southern except yeah. for Ben. I I also I also say that, <laughs> but also I know a great number of Virginians who take great offense to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I personally do not have a lot of the Southern stereotype, but you do not have to look very hard in my f- extended family to find the people who still hang portraits of our Confederate ancestors. Oh, good God. So, yeah. All right, so. <laughs> Same. Heroes, Same. are there any specific mm. force powers you're itching to pick up and show off to the listeners? Well, I feel like you had a chance, you already had the chance to do that, Ren, right? Like the the, the one you were really itching to, to pick up? Oh yeah, I w- I was excited about that, but I wanted it to be like the right moment, you know. So. Yeah. Hmm. In cash they get bouncy. Well, I'm I'm working on it. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'm I'm excited just for to have more force powers in general. I'm I'm looking forward to having a little bit more awards foresight and and learning what that can do since that's a mm. new toy for me. I I do want somebody to to pick up like bind or protect slash unleash at some point. I don't know if it's going to be me, even though I technically could just like some of the nice, big flashy ones. But I, uh, you know what it is? You know what I'm really excited for? I mean, the thing, the power I'm most excited to see right now in action is Hillary and harm. Yeah. I want to see the, the, the flip side of that particular power arrangement. Um, but that might be more for the character angle than the than the mechanics. The harm is so Everybody devastating. Everybody wants Hillary to fall. It, it is, and I well, I know because I, I I've had a character who had heal harm before. I know what yeah. it can do, and it's it has some beautiful RP potential. Mm-hmm. Just for that, I'm gonna stop playing heal harm. I'm gonna go get nope. force lightning, and I'm gonna zap everybody. Oh, wow. that as works long too. As you get the force rating yeah. for it. I'm totally behind this. <clears throat> I am currently dabbling in Sense and Misdirect, both of which are powers I personally have not used myself or seen in play. As I think I've said before on Heroes, I am almost always a GM, with the exception of Heroes, so I haven't actually used a lot of Force powers myself. But I don't necessarily have goals to be like, oh, I want to make sure everybody sees how cool Misdirect can be. Like, it has some stuff I'm excited to pick up, but I'm not setting out for it. Bind is like high on my list of what I would potentially buy as a third power. Really? Huh? Yeah. Something that I decided about with Koba was that I did not want, I did not want to take any powers that were directly damaging. Mm-hmm. So no move, no heal harm, no protect unleash when I got there, etc. And I also wanted to, I'm forbidding myself from taking Enhance because it's one that I take a lot because it's really, really good. <laughs> I mean, it really, really is. Yeah. It's also cheap. That's two people saying really, really. Yeah. It's Well, 
That's good news for me, because guess what I just bought? <laughs> well, well, yeah, and, and like also, I am definitely a person who, I know a lot of people look at Enhance and they're like, oh, the side where I can add ranks to things is great, but this jumpy side is good, because it's just I can jump, and I'm like, I can jump? Oh, man. <laughs> Jumping is awesome. Jumping I mean, is great. You turn oh, into a gummy I'm bear. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> Bouncing I, here and there and everywhere. Yeah. High adventure that's beyond compare. I'm done. Oh, and the other thing, I'm forbidding myself from some of the things that are the arguably obvious options for Koba, which is to say uh, mind control and mind reading. Mm. Mm. I know, like, I, I'm just, I'm not going to buy the part of sense that gets into more than just the base emotions. I'm just getting, like, the spider sense part of sense. Yeah, okay. fair. So those are those are kind of like the arbitrary lines I have drawn around Koba's force powers. So yeah, yeah. After all of those things, uh, bind is a potential option, but I don't know if I'll even take a third power versus just beefing up the two I've got. I will say I'm not using it in this, but Ren is alter is a really cool power. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Brandon, plug your ears. You don't need a big head. <laughs> but you can do really cool things with Alter. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to see seeing how our, our hermit survivalist... I don't know what else I would call Skip protagonist goes. I, I mean, I liked the way it was used in the Markov fight, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they can kind of fart around it with it some more. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I kind of set up my own my own little goal like Brandon did, where I uh, I've been avoiding sense and uh, heal harm and influence because I've played around with all of those before too. Hmm. Oh, I have contemplated if things start to get more combatty than they have been so far. I've contemplated I forget what it's called. Is it endure the one that just lets you not die? Ignore crits. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I've contemplated that if things start to get heavy, I wouldn't. I take really a- like the idea of you you going down and then you're just laying there. And we, we're like, oh no, Koba's dead. And we come up and you start talking about some circumstance where you almost <laughs> died before. Yeah. yeah. You, you have some final words to to uh, to pass on to us, but it takes like an hour. I mean, yeah, and obviously. Then we're like, and then in that and, but time, at the end he'll... of it, Hillary's already healed you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's one that like, you have to invest so heavily in that power to get to like that crazy stuff. And it's a power a lot of people don't take because it's, Basically, the Beard? GM can just never attack you, and then you've basically wasted your XP. I forget everyone has these powers, so that's not going to happen. I mean, that tracks. Yeah, that's and, fair. And I know, Ben, I wouldn't be concerned about you doing that, but, like, definitely a clear, consistent thing that comes up in playtests a lot of anything. I, didn't, I haven't playtested Star Wars, but, like, my game development experience is such that in a game where there is any sort of conflict going on, whether it's a you know competitive board game, minis game, RPG, or whatever, any ability that relies on somebody else to do something for it to happen is often a thing people will not take or, or value highly. Mm, yeah. um, unless the thing that triggers it is something that's like an inevitability, you know? Yeah. So things with like the specificity of when you get attacked, a lot of people will avoid those because like there's an easy counter. Whoever you're playing against just doesn't attack you. Yeah. 
Fair enough. If that's possible in the game you're playing, and in an RPG it generally is. So thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Shall we do the last Adam? The last Adam. Yeah, so one more Adam. We all know Koba's soundtrack, but for the rest of the heroes, what sort of music best fits you? Crickets. I'm still going on Call to Adventure is the thing that always comes to mind when a skip is on scene. What is Call to Adventure? Ren, you actually know this a heck of a lot better than I do. I wasn't sure if that's what you meant. That's exactly the thing. Oh, yeah. uh, Call to Adventure is the theme song for my show Tales of (laughs) Make-Believe. Oh. Oh. Fair enough. I always pick music that has a good name for what I'm intending. As well as actually being good music. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The songs for Tales are uh, Call to Adventure and Teller of the Tales. Ah. Some cheesy like that. Yeah. I like it. They're both thematically good, though, too, I think. I, I, do, I do like that. It's bouncy. Mm-hmm. All right, good. You gave me an answer. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Appreciate I, it. I don't tend to think about, like musical cues or, or genres of music for uh for for characters i am not sure what applies to cash johnny cash <laughs> oh yeah I, for hillary i was thinking like big band stuff but that also makes sense no johnny cash for cash oh that, that kind of rangy i don't want to say angry but unsettled yeah. yeah. Like kinda, there's there's a lot of emotion behind it, but it's not necessarily like a specific emotion. It's kind of a, a cobbled compilation of dissatisfied frustration kind of like it, yeah, there, there's a certain like weight. Yeah, weight. It, there, yeah, there's that, oomph that, that to fits, it. Fits there as well as it's kind of like it's kinda of old fashioned, but it's not, you know And it's it's simple. Like Johnny Cash. Yeah, it's, it's you more don't, folksy in a way. Um you don't have a lot and I yeah. would actually I can see um I wouldn't go big band, I would probably go a little older, but definitely kind of band show tuny kind of music. Yeah. Almost like carnival y almost. Uh, or that's where I started mentally, and then I was like, what what would I even call that kind of music? That might just be my ignorance of carnivals. I just think of like the, the sort of standard carnival background music as being kind of a repetitive loop and not so much a musical form, and that's probably mm-hmm. like dimin- diminishing of it. I'm thinking kind of like um, small group, more staged than folksy music. Yeah. So, like, it could be played on a calliope, or it could be played on um, an accordion, or strings, you know, but it's all kind of, it's lighter. The barbershop quartet. Yeah, you know, or or equivalent feel in in, um, instruments, but yeah. Yeah. Basically, music that you can see the people wearing straw boaters and stripy suits. Without being Beach Boys, but maybe being Beach Boys. On Aline, there are a ton of barbershop quartets. Nobody's quite sure what a barbershop is. Because <laughs> none of them have hair. Because they're all lizards. Well, it's a <laughs> grooming service. It doesn't have to have hair involved. I suppose. Nice skin brushing. Get your You get your scales buffed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get them to a nice shine. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. t- I'm totally behind that, too. Yep. Also, I mean, Hillary hasn't ever actually been to Aline, so... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Fair point. <laughs>
All right. So I think that's going to close out uh, this first episode of our Q&A. Tune in next week where we're going to answer the rest of the questions. Or at least more. Or (laughs) more (laughs) of the questions. All of that. Listening to this episode of Tale. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me Ben on Twitter at Deuterium Ice. <sighs> you can find me Ren at Atomic Firebird, or if you don't want to hear my personal ramblings, you can just see my professional updates at Make Believe Info. You can find me, Christine, on Twitter at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, T-H, night with a K. I am at Leslet, G-S. And I'm at Blue of the Kin, or you can uh, f- check out my other podcast where Christine joins me to play some Star Trek. Also, other people's do, too, but just Christine's the only one on the <laughs> mic right now. Uh, at Endeavor Show, E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R Show. And we are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you could really help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're also on Facebook as The Hydean Way. You can come us at heroes at thehydeanway.com. If you like what we do and would like to support the show, check us out on patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can toss a cred to your podcaster at ko-fi.com slash the high DN way. <laughs>